The Old Testament reading for this evening comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. It is written, Moses climbed from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the peak of Pisgah, facing Jericho. And God showed him all the land from Gilead to Dan, all Naphtali, Ephraim, and Manasseh, all Judah reaching to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the plains which encircled Jericho's city of Palms, as far south as Zor. Then and there God said to him, This is the land I promised to your ancestors, to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. With the words, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your own eyes. There it is. But you're not going to go in. And Moses died there in the land of Moab. Moses, the servant of God, just as God said. And God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. No one knows his burial site to this very day. Now Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was sharp. He still walked with a spring in his step. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. And Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. And the people of Israel listened obediently to him and did the same as when God had commanded Moses. No prophet has risen since in Israel like Moses, whom God knew face to face. Never since has there been anything like the signs and miracle wonders that God sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh to all his servants and to all his land. Nothing to compare with that all-powerful hand of his and the great and terrible things Moses did as every eye in Israel watched. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbors. And we ask you, oh God, in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, to be with us in our going out and our coming in, in our rising up and in our lying down, in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow, until the day when there shall be no sunset and no dawn. Amen. You know, I think Moses is an awesome figure. He's a giant of a man. When God parted the Red Sea, Moses led the way. He spoke to Pharaoh about the plagues visited on Egypt. He was the voice of God, the voice of justice, saying repeatedly, let my people go. 
He challenged Pharaoh and spoke to God as one speaks with a dear, dear friend. And throughout the story of Moses, he is an imposing figure. He's a striking figure in his youth, but he also maintained an incredible vigor well into his old age. We're told that even at 120 years old, Moses' eyes had not dimmed. Moses is an awesome figure. He was also a human figure. He gets angry, so angry in fact, that he beat an Egyptian slave driver to death. And he got depressed too. His confidence in his own abilities waned to the point that he asked if Aaron could speak for him. In his frustration in leading the people of Israel, he tried to hand them back over to God through some really interesting dialogues. And he is a sinner. We're told that he committed a big one when he and Aaron made out as if they were responsible for bringing water from a rock to satisfy thirsty people. Well, you see, God didn't forget that one. In fact, it's the backdrop for this particular story. You see, Moses is dying before realizing his dream. He is dying. Just when the people of Israel have arrived on the porch of the promised land, they're lined up and they're ready to move in. But God has not invited Moses to join them. The river has not been crossed. The promised land lies just beyond. And Moses dies. It is true enough, I guess, that Israel does cross over and through trials and tribulations establishes a viable community there. But I also think that their life there probably did not live up entirely to the vision that Moses had given to them. Life in the promised land never lived up to what Moses promised. The idea that the people would found a truly just community where they would live in genuine harmony with God and with one another, that just never really materialized. So perhaps it is fitting that Moses' life ends on a mountaintop with a vision that is still pure and unrealized. A vision forever locked in time of what could be, not marred by further struggles to realize it. Now we are not there yet, but we've been to the mountaintop and we've seen it. We're not there yet, but we know what it'll be like. We have a sure sense of where we are going. We know enough about our destination and that it is worth the work. It is worth the wait, but we're not there yet. We get a glimpse of what it will be like every time we gather at an open table. We get a taste of it here when we get a sense of what it is like 
to be a part of a community where it doesn't matter if you're black or white, gay or straight, educated or uneducated, male or female. As we work to build authentic Christian community, we get a clearer sense of a new world coming. It is said that at the opening of Disney World many years ago now, one of Walt Disney's executives expressed his disappointment that the man behind it all, Walt Disney, had not lived to see the opening. One of Disney's old friends turned to him and said, oh, he saw it all right. That's why it's here. You know, the vision of Moses remained clear and unsullied, an ideal which provides fuel for those committed to realizing the truth of the promised land from generation to generation. As we celebrate Dr. King, the same can be said of his vision and work. It remains a clarion call to all who are inspired by the voice of justice. So I close with his words. But in our protests, there will be no crossburns. No white person will be taken from his house by a hooded Negro mob and brutally murdered. There will be no threats and intimidation. We will be guided by the highest principles of law and order, the deepest principles of Christian faith. Love must be our regulating ideal. If we fail to do this, our protest will end up as a meaningless drama on the stage of history, and its memory will be shrouded with the ugly garments of shame. In spite of the mistreatment we have confronted, we must not become bitter and end up hating our white brothers. Let no people pull you down so low as to make you hate them. Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand together with a greater determination and let us move on in these powerful days, these days of challenge, to make America what it ought to be. We have an opportunity to make a better nation. And I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't really matter with me now. Because I have been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longe longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And God's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing anyone. For mine eyes have seen the glory. 
of the coming of the Lord. Amen.